Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, now faith, someone say faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is what we're talking about tonight. Verse 6 says, but without faith, someone say faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We got to have faith. Look to your neighbor and say faith. You may be seated. So what is faith? It's a loaded word. We use it all the time in church. But what is faith? Faith is the ability to keep building, to keep moving, regardless if you see the desired result already. Faith is the, the unction, the fight inside of you, the perseverance, the endurance to not give up. See, hope is something that I can see. If I have the water bill due and I know I have the money in my account, then I just, you know, that's hope that I know the money's my account and it's going to go forward. But faith is when there isn't money in my account and the water bill is due. Now I have to have faith in God because I can't see it. I don't understand it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I have to put my trust in God. And that's what faith is. And today, if we have faith to keep building, God is going to do a great work in our lives and in this church. Say, keep building. Keep building. It says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without this thing called faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is. Well, who is God? Isaiah 9, 6 says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And that's why in Matthew 1, 21, she shall bring forth the son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Someone say Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. He is Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If you're going to have any kind of faith, you have to know who God is. There isn't three separate gods. There isn't two gods. There is only one God and his name is Jesus. And no matter what your need is today, if you just call on Jesus, he can reach your need. If you need a healer, all you got to do is call on Jesus. If you need a deliverer, all you got to do is call on Jesus. If you need help in your body, if you've been fighting in your mind, all you got to do is call on Jesus because without faith, is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is. Who is God? Colossians 2.9 says, For in Jesus, in him, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There is only one God, and his name is Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. Everything you have need of today is in Jesus Christ. You don't have to go anywhere else. It's not going to be in a relationship. It's not going to be in anything. But Jesus. Jesus Christ. Someone say Jesus. See, everything you need is in Jesus. All power in heaven is given unto Jesus. And so today, if you have faith in Jesus Christ and that he can reach your needs, then he will according to his will. He who comes to God must first believe that he is. He is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
That if you seek after God, if you diligently, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but if you sincerely put your life in God's hands, he will take care of you. Brother Jury often quotes, either he is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And if you put God on the throne of your life and he is the center of your universe and everything you do is dedicated to him and to his word, then he will reward you when you seek him. Amen. And man, I want to tell a story of Joseph. See, Joseph is a very interesting story. It started off with Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. So Abraham's the grandfather, Isaac the son, and then Jacob is the grandson. And Jacob eventually got his name changed to Israel. But throughout this process, he decided he wanted to get married. He went off to this far distant land. Sister Mary, I'm sorry, I tried my best. He went off to this far distant land and he saw this girl named Rachel. Everyone say Rachel. You got to say it like she's like good looking Rachel. He saw this girl named Rachel. So he went to Rachel's dad, Laban, and said, I want to marry Rachel. Everyone say Rachel. He wanted to marry this beautiful, good-looking woman. And so Laban said, okay, I'll make you, if you work seven years, then you can marry my daughter. So he was like, all right, bet. She must have been really good-looking to work seven years. Some of you guys think y'all are hard on your daughter's boyfriends. Not at all. Make him work seven years. That's, that's crazy. Thank God Natalie's dad is not making me work seven years to be able to date her. Amen. So he says work seven years. So he's going around. He's working for Laban and he's doing what he's supposed to do. And then the wedding ceremony happens. and He's so excited and the bride has a veil on. And then after the ceremony, all of a sudden, the veil is lifted up. And it's not Rachel. It's the ugly one, Leah. Everyone say Leah. You got uh, Leah. He said, oh, goodness gracious, Leah, I didn't mean to marry you. So he marries Leah, and he goes back to Laban and says, Laban, I wanted Rachel. And Laban says, okay, work seven more years, and I'll give you Rachel. So he looked around to make sure there's no more ugly ones, you know. And he said, okay, there's only one ugly one in Rachel. There's only them two, so I guess I'll work seven more years. He works seven more years, and then he marries Rachel. Someone say Rachel. He marries Rachel. So now you have to understand this. He worked 14 years for this girl named Rachel. She must have been very pretty, right? She must have been super legit, like chill, can cook all the best foods and everything for him to work 14 years for her. So he works 14 years and then they go off and every guy, what does every guy want? Every guy want from his wife, a son, right? Every guy wants a son. And so he's looking for this son. And you know what happens? Leah, the ugly one, the not attractive one, the one he got hoodwinked into marrying. Leah got four children, four boys, and she has these four sons. And so Rachel, the pretty one, you know how girls look. Now, these are real people, okay? This isn't just a fake story. These are real people. Rachel, okay, women, if she comes in with four new pairs of shoes, what do you do? Mm. You're going to go and get, you're like, girls get jealous. It's fine, guys. We have our flaws, too. We can get prideful. And so she, Rachel gets this idea. You know, Leah keeps giving them all these sons, and I can't have any sons, so you know what? You can have my handmaid. And so Jacob, Israel, has two sons with her handmaid. And so now the ugly one, now, you know, she's not a lot of self-esteem. She has, like, you know, some issues with herself. So she's like, I know I'm ugly, and she just got two sons from her handmaid. Well, here's my handmaid. Now, Jacob should have been way smarter than this. That's a completely different story, though, okay? So Jacob has two more sons with her handmaid. And then 
After that, Leah's like, ha ha, I got six boys on my side, two to six. That means I win. Even though I'm ugly, I win in the end. Ha ha. And she's bragging. And then she has two more sons. And so now Jacob has 10 boys. Six with the ugly one, two with her handmaid, and two with the pretty one's handmaid. And the whole time, Rachel, looks don't get me nothing. They only can get you so far. But then there came a day where Rachel ran out of her tent. She kicked the camel out the way, said, move, or whatever noise camels make. She runs to Jacob, her husband, and says, look, finally, I'm pregnant. Isn't that so exciting? And she's so happy, and Jacob's so happy. Well, then the boy is born, and his name is now Joseph. Someone say Joseph. So now Joseph's born. And now his dad, Jacob, loves Joseph so much that he makes this nice coat and it had many colors on it. And he he sews together this coat and he gives it to his son, Joseph. And Joseph is the spoiled one. Joseph doesn't go and have to work as hard as some of the other brothers. Joseph doesn't have to be out in the field and do all the hard labor like some of the other brothers, because finally the pretty one that he worked 14 years for finally had a son, Joseph. And so he is the chosen one. He's the golden child. He can do no wrong. He gets away with that everything. It's Joseph. Now imagine how his brothers felt. His brother's out in the field working all day, working hard, and Joseph's in there with the air conditioning, and he's sitting there relaxing, drinking lemonade with the umbrella in the cup, wearing a coat of many colors. Look at Skittles in there. Over here tasting the rainbow. We're in here working hard and starburst over here. A juicy contradiction. He's a boy and he don't even know how to work. So they're getting mad at Skittles over here. And then not only that, Skittles runs out there with his coat of many colors. You know what? One day I'm going to rule over you. God told me that one day I am going, you're going to bow to me. I'm going to be your ruler. Isn't that exciting, brothers? Who does Skittles think he is? I'll punch him in his face. I don't care what dad says. They're all getting so mad at Joseph. And so for years, he's just a spoiled one. He's the one with the coat of many colors, the Skittles on his coat. And they're so angry. And then finally, one day, they devise this plan. We're going to get rid of Skittles. We're so sick and tired of him. He's too colorful anyways. Guys don't wear that many colors. (laughs) And so they get this plan and they say, let's throw him in a hole. So they get this giant pit and they find it and they throw him in the hole. And they're going to leave him. And all of a sudden, Judah gets compassion in his heart. Maybe not. And he just looks at the down the street and sees there's a caravan and says, why don't we sell him into slavery? If he's in the pit, he's going to die. At least let's get some money out of him. So they sold him into slavery. Now, you got to imagine what Joseph is feeling right now. See, Joseph is probably pretty angry because he got this vision. He got this picture of what God told him it was going to be like. And now he's in a hole. He said that God told him one day that he's going to take care of his family And now his own brothers are selling him into slavery. See, so many times that's how we are. We ask God for a forest and then he gives us an acorn. We ask God for a harvest and he gives us a seed. We want this wonder that God is going to work and he only gives us a word. And so we get frustrated in the middle of the process. But Joseph didn't give up. He had faith in God. That's what Hebrews is talking about, the hall of faith. Then after he gets in slavery, he gets sold to this guy named Potiphar, and he's working hard, and he's elevating in the ranks, and now he's in Potiphar's house, and he's working really hard. And then all of a sudden, this woman, Potiphar's wife, thinks that Joseph is cute, scheming, sketchy. She's like, Joseph, let's go have a cup of coffee at Starbucks. 
And Joseph says, nah, I'm not there getting caught drinking coffee with you. And so what he does is he's about to take off running and the girl grabs him by his coat and he, he rips it off and he runs and takes off. He's like, no, I don't even like Starbucks. Dunkin' Donuts is better and takes off running. And then she gets this coat and she, oh, he tried to drink Starbucks coffee with me. She tells her husband. So now Potiphar gets mad and he throws him into jail. Joseph didn't do nothing wrong. First, his brothers threw him in a hole. Then his brother sold him into slavery. He worked hard to at least get some kind of good life. And now he's getting lied on and getting thrown into jail. Joseph's life is pretty hard right now, right? So he gets thrown into jail. And while he's in jail, there's this, there's this baker and then the cupbearer. And they're having this conversation with him. And, they're, and he's interpreting these dreams that he's interpreted his own dreams before. And now he's interpreting theirs. And he says, when y'all get out, don't forget about me, all right? We got this bond. We got this alliance. Don't forget about me. And they got out. And they forgot about him. One of them died. And then all of a sudden, time goes by. And the king is having these dreams, these visions. And he can't interpret them. And no one in the kingdom can interpret them. And all of a sudden, the, guys, the guy who was in jail with Joseph remembered, hey, there's a guy in jail that interprets dreams. So they bring Joseph out and Joseph interprets his dream that there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And so the Pharaoh, the ruler of that time, said, you know what? You're going to be second in command over all of Egypt. And you're going to look over the portions to make sure we have enough during the plenty to eat. But then we're storing enough and we have enough harvest so that afterwards when there's the famine that everyone still has enough to eat. And he says, OK. And so he's working second in command. And then all of a sudden his brothers are starting to get hungry. Now, while all this is going on, Jacob has another son named Benjamin from Rachel, the pretty one. It's the second chosen child now, and he's not letting him even out the tent. He didn't make him no Skittles coat because he remembered last time what happened when he wore a Skittles coat. Apparently, the pigs could, you know, they didn't like Skittles, and so they went and attacked Joseph, which didn't really happen. And so he says, you know what, Benjamin's my chosen child. And there's this cool story. You need to read it in the book of Genesis. And all this happens. And then finally the brothers come to Egypt. And after getting a chalice taken back and all this going on, all this drama, it's a really great story. Joseph and his brothers reconcile. Joseph says, you meant it unto evil, but God meant it unto my good. I don't hate you. I don't think anything wrong of you. It's okay. And so all of Joseph's family, Jacob's lineage, uh, the Israelites eventually moved to Egypt and Joseph took care of them and Joseph helped them out and gave them enough food. And that's when the story of Moses eventually happens because the Israelites expanded over and over again. And then, you know, Pharaoh said, oh, I didn't know who Joseph was, but the Israelites are getting too powerful. But if we look at the story of Joseph, that's how you and I are sometimes. Life can get hard. God gives us a picture of what it's supposed to be like. But then it's not like that. We come to church and we say, God, you said that you're going to take care of me. But then as soon as we get out the water and we go home, the problems are still there. We say, God, you said you was going to bless me. Look at your word. And that we're still having problems in our marriage. We come to church and we get involved in ministry and say, God, you're going to bless us in, in ministry because we're serving and we're working in the kingdom. But then it gets hard and we're used all the time and we're feeling burnt out over and over again. And we're giving, but we're not getting and there's this constant battle of what God said and what it seems like is really happening right now. But what happened with Joseph is he never gave up. He didn't give up when it got hard because he had a word from God. And what I want to do today is encourage you that if you've gotten a word from God, you need to hold on to it because God is not a liar and he will bring his word to pass. If God said he was going to bless you, God's going to bless you. You just got to keep building. Someone say keep building. 
If God said he's going to help your marriage, then he's going to help your marriage. You just got to have faith and keep building. You can't grow weary in well-doing. You got to stay in the fight because if you're like Joseph, if you've gotten a word from God, God will bring it to pass. God will bring it to pass. See, Tyler, newborn, love how strong you are in God right now, praying, showing up to ministerial advance. His granddad would come in here every Tuesday for years and be praying, praying. And you, if you walk by, he normally sits right here. If you walk by, he's praying for his family. God, bring them back to church. Bring them to church. And he's constantly praying this year after year. And that's in God's will that none should perish. And he had this picture that God gave him that Tyler would be involved, that Tyler would be changing lives, that Tyler would be a great disciple. And now, look, Tyler is back in church and Tyler is doing good. Why? Because someone decided, hey, I have a word. I know it doesn't look like it right now, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to just look at the problems. I'm going to look at the word that God gave me, and I'm going to stay in the fight. See, I've lived that myself. I've got involved in ministry, and God said he was going to bless me. He was going to anoint me to preach, and that he's going to open doors for me, and then I felt like I was in the middle of nowhere. I was struggling. I was broken. I lost all self-esteem. I was attacked, and I said, man, God, you, you gave me this word, but now look at where my life is. You gave me this word, but now look at this. And I didn't give up. And now God has brought me to Atlanta West where I have a great family where I'm growing in ministry and God is opening doors for me. Why? Because I never gave up. There's a friend watching right now, Leanne Floyd. She's a principal at Brookstone. We do Bible studies and she's incredible from Columbus, Georgia. And her husband lost hearing all of a sudden. Just while they're sitting there at dinner table, he just lost hearing. And there's this battle, and I go and visit them. I'm praying with them, and I'm, I'm helping her out as much as I can. And he has this cool device that when he would come and hear me preach, it would be like a microphone that I'd put on my, my tie. And he can't hear any other noises. He only can hear what is on this. So sometimes, you know, if he was going to nod off in church, this is the Lord God. Wake up. Stop thinking about what you're going to have for lunch after church. Not really. He didn't fall asleep at all. And it was extremely hard because you can only get within 75. You can't pass 75 feet of him. So I had to stay on one side of the church. That was hard for me. That was like a leash for me. But God is blessing their life. And she said, you know what? I'm going to live for God. And their marriage is strong. And she's growing in God. And she's helping students. She's helping people. Why? Because she got a picture of what God said it was going to be. And she didn't give up. She didn't give up. I'm going to make this point a little bit more clear. I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Any other Star Wars fans in here? So I wanted to bring this Kylo Ren's TIE Fighter jet because I love Star Wars so much. I wanted to share it with you guys. I, I went to Walmart earlier today and spent some money on this, and it's, it's really cool. So I'm going, to, I'm going to show you guys what this looks like on the inside, okay? This doesn't look like this. I paid $60 for this fighter jet. What is this garbage? I'm suing Walmart. Anybody want to be my lawyer? And so many times that's how we get. We get this picture and this word that God has given us. And we say, that's what it's going to be like. And then when we open it up, expecting this glorious thing that God said, all of a sudden it's in pieces. And we can get frustrated. And we can get so mad at God. God, this isn't what you said it was supposed to be like. See, one day I bought a jet just like this for my nephew. He's four years old, LJ. It's a couple months ago in my niece's birthday party. So I went and visited him, and I love Legos. I can't wait to have a son to play with him, and no one thinks I'm weird. 
And so I bought him this jet, and he's like, man, this is jet. Uncle DJ, you're the best. You're the man. I love Uncle DJ. And so he's so excited, and I'm just floating on cloud nine because I'm the man. I bought him this jet. And then he opens the box, and he's like, Uncle DJ, it's broken. I was like, no, it's not. It's Legos. He's never had Legos before. It's supposed to be like four and up. And he's like, no, it's broken. I was like, no, it's not. And so I'm trying to rationalize with this four-year-old that it's not broken, that I actually paid money to have pieces. And he's just confused. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, look, LJ, there's this thing called an instruction manual. And if you follow the instructions, then you'll get the jet that's on the picture. And LJ was like, looked at me kind of puzzled like he didn't believe me. So I eventually opened it up and I said, all right, let's start building. Step number one. And I said, where's this piece? And he's like, this doesn't look like a jet, Uncle DJ. And he's getting mad at me now. I'm feeling horrible. You know, like when you hold a kid down for them to get a shot. That's what I felt like right now. Why are you making me suffer? This does not look like a jet, Uncle DJ. I said, no, you just got to follow the instructions. Just keep building. I promise you there's a jet inside of it. Don't give up. And so we're building it. And then, you know, five minutes into it, he's ADHD and he runs and goes and plays with something else. And then he looks at me and I'm still laying on the ground building Legos. And he runs over there and he's like, what does this piece do? And I'm like, here, it goes right here. And I'm putting it together. And then he runs and go grabs a cookie or something and then runs back. And we're going through this whole process for like an hour or two. And then it's his bedtime. This is when my heart was broken because he looked at me and said, Uncle DJ, you said you bought me a jet. And that's not a jet. He turned and walked into his bedroom. Man, that's a sad way to end the day. I know it says don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. What about your sadness? Can you wake back up? And so I laid there, a grown man playing with Legos, and I'm putting these pieces together. I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. I haven't got to play with these in years. And so I'm putting these pieces together, and I go to bed. And then the next morning, I'm sleep knocked out, just drooling all over my sister's pillow, sleep. And all of a sudden, this little kid runs and jumps on top of me, says, Uncle DJ, Uncle DJ, there's a jet in the other room. Look, there's a jet. He's so excited. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Did a plane just crash? What is going on? And I'm trying to wake up, and he grabs me, and he's pulling me into the living room. And I get in there, and there's this jet that's laying there that I stayed up most of the night to build, trying to get them little pieces together with my fat fingers. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what is going on? He says, look, there's a jet. And then finally I woke up, and I said, LJ, it was there the whole time, but all you have to do is keep on building. All you had to do was follow the instructions. You didn't need to give up. I know these pieces don't look like the picture, but don't give up, because if you follow the instructions... Then it will come to pass. Now, a key point in this is LJ could have decided to build whatever he wanted to build, but he was not going to get the jet unless he followed the instructions. So sometimes I talk with people who have been in church and they're like, man, my life is so hard. Why is God bringing put me through all this? I'm like, you're not even following the Bible. What do you mean? Your life looks combobbled and messed up and it doesn't look like the jet. That's because you're building it that way. Amen. So I'm not saying, oh, it's prosperity that when you go to church that God's going to bless you. No, what I'm saying is if you live for God, if you follow the word of God, which is the instruction book, then the picture that God said he was going to give you is going to come to pass. If God told you to give, it might seem like nothing's happening, but you keep on giving. If God told you to pray, it might seem like nothing's moving, but you keep on praying. If God told you to fast, you just keep on fasting. You don't give up because if you follow the instructions, if you follow the word of God, the picture is going to come to pass. 
talking to a group of Christians who have been in church for years and you're struggling with things that God has promised you years ago and you feel like you want to give up. What I've come to preach today is keep building. If you follow the instructions, one day it's going to be what God said it's going to be. It might be your next prayer that all of a sudden everything changes. It might be your next worship that all of a sudden everything changes. It might be your next offering where everything breaks and God blesses you financially. It might be your very next step that your family comes to church. So don't give up now. You keep on building. Keep following the word of God. We have a hope in heaven. God is going to bring to pass his word. God is not through with you yet. God is our refuge and a very present help in the time of trouble. And if you keep on building... God's word will come to pass. Look at people like Brother Johns who have built their life on the word of God. Look how blessed he is. Look at some of these elders across the sanctuary even today. The reason they are blessed is because they followed the word of God. And when you follow the word of God, God will bless your life according to his word. But what we have to do is keep on building. Hebrews 11 is this story. It's called the Hall of Faith where all these great men and women have done this incredible stuff and they kept on building. They kept having faith. And look what happened. See, Abel kept sacrificing and God blessed him. Enoch walked with God. Noah kept building and him and his family were saved. Abraham built an altar and there came a ram in the thicket. Even though he didn't know how God was going to bring it to pass, God told him to build an altar and sacrifice his son. And so he kept on building that altar. And then what happened? God gave him a sacrifice and his son was spared. Sarah kept believing and she eventually had a child. Moses kept standing and the children of Israel were set free. Joshua and the Israelites kept walking around the walls of Jericho. And on that seventh day after the seventh time when the trumpets blew the walls came tumbling down I know it doesn't seem like it right now I know it doesn't look like the picture it looks like it's all in pieces but keep building keep following the word of God don't give up now you're going to get the picture that God said it was going to be I know it's hard but God is going to bring to pass what his word says so we got to keep building someone say keep building Rahab kept her commitments and her and her family were saved. And Hebrews 11 verse 32 says this. And it, what shall I say more? The time would fail to tell me of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, of Jephthah, and of David also, and of Samuel, and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. They went on to do incredible things. Why? Because they kept on building. I'm not talking about a prosperity message. Because God might say your body's going to be healed and you might not believe it at now. But just like Enoch, some of these people didn't see their blessing in this world, but they saw it in the next world. Because when we get to heaven, we're going to get new bodies. There are going to be no more worries, no more pain, no more tears. Why? Because we kept on building. We didn't give up when it seemed hard. We never gave up. And God is going to bring to pass what he said. Someone say faith. faith. We can't get sidetracked on all the pieces. Why, why as people of God, do we look at this and say, man, it's never going to come to pass. Look at what God has already done. He's already brought me a mighty long way. I know I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm just thankful that I'm not what I used to be. I'm going to stop focusing on the negative and what I don't have. But look at what we do have. 
I'm not going to focus on we want more numbers at this church. Look at all the great saints that we have. I'm not going to focus on the money that I don't have. Look at how much God has blessed me. I'm not begging for bread. I got shoes on my feet. I got food in my stomach. So I'm going to keep on praising God for what I do have. I know it seems like it's in pieces, but I'm not about to give up now because my very next step, if I keep on building, might be the picture that God had said it was going to be. So keep building. Keep building. Keep building. Church, don't give up now. Keep building. Someone say keep building. See, Jesus prayed that Peter's faith won't fail. He didn't pray that his flesh wouldn't fail. Why? Because our flesh is going to want to give up. Our flesh is going to walk after God and his promises. We're going to say, it's just a bunch of pieces. It's over 600 pieces. I'm done. I just give up. But God said, I pray that your faith fails you not. Why? Because if you have faith, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you keep seeking after God, if you keep seeking after his promises, if your faith is strong in God, then the word will come to pass. He's not worried about your flesh. Where is your faith today? Is your faith in man? Is your faith in your ability and your intelligence? Or is it in God's word? And I don't know how. I'm in a hole. I'm sold into slavery. I've been lied on. I'm forgotten about in jail. But somehow, some way, God said that this is what it's going to be. So I'm going to keep on building. I don't know how long. I don't know why. I have all these questions. But I really don't care. Because if God said it, if I diligently seek after him, he will reward me. We have to have faith like these people that I'm preaching about today as the music comes. God said, have faith because Matthew 6:33 says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything will be added unto you. That's faith. Don't give up. You keep seeking after God. All things work together for the good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I know this doesn't look like a jet right now, but I'm going to keep on building because Romans 8.35 says, if Christ be for us, tell me who can be against us. I really don't understand why life can be hard right now, but I'm going to preach Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ because he can do exceeding abundance above all that you can ask or think. But the only way he can do it is if you have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is, that Jesus is Lord, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Then Hebrews 11 ends and Hebrews 12.1 opens up. It says, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience, with endurance, the race that is set before us. See, God has given us a word. And all in heaven right now, there's the witnesses. They're cheering you on. All these people that I just preached about. Rahab and Samson and David saying, hey, you just keep on having faith. God is going to make a way out of no way. I know it seems hopeless. I know it doesn't seem like it right now, but you keep having faith because if you trust in God, you're going to make it happen just like God said. So what you have to do is keep building. Will you stand right now? Some of you are frustrated like my nephew LJ. Brother DJ, I'm living for God. It just, I'm giving my tithes and offerings. 
I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm living a holy life. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. But my life is in pieces. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for this church. And you know the brilliant thing about God is that he wants it more than us. God wants revival for this church and your family more than you even want it for yourself. God wants his word to come to pass more than we want his word to come to pass. God wants you to be blessed and have life and life more abundantly, more than you and I do for our own selves. God wants it for us. What we have to do is have faith. So when life's in pieces, when it doesn't seem like the picture's coming to pass, what I want to do is encourage you tonight. Keep building. Someone say keep building. Would you close your eyes right now with me? Search your hearts right now. What is a weight or a sin that has slowed you down? What has made you doubt? What has made you have fear? What regret do you still have that has slowed you down from running after God with everything you have and running after his promises? What are you doing? Are you following the instructions? Are you trying to make your own thing? If you follow the instructions, the Bible says, if you follow his word, his word will come to pass in your life. So what is it that is slowing you down? What is it that is stopping you? I want to encourage you today. Keep building. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, this too shall pass. You will reap if you faint not. But you can't give up. Would you join me at this altar right now? That's it. Come on, let's join together right now. In a second, we're going to pray. What I want you to do is I want you to raise your hands because this is the time for you to get strength, for you to get encouraged in the spirit. If you haven't prayed through in a while, then tonight may be your night that you just need to touch the throne of God and get the courage, the strength to say, hey, I'm not going to give up. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I know my life seems like it's in pieces, but I'm not about to give up now because his word is going to come to pass. Would you raise your hands right now all across this sanctuary? That's it. Now let's lift up our voice. Come on, let's lift up our voice. I know it seems like I'm in jail like Paul and Silas, but I'm going to worship anyways because God's giving me a word. I don't need all the details. All I need is a word, and God has given you a word today. If you keep on building, his word is going to come to pass. God will keep his promises. Have faith in him. Have faith in Jesus Christ.